All right, High Desert Word Center, how we doing on Wednesday night? Good to see everybody, amen. Well, praise God. Uh, we are excited. We're going to have an awesome service tonight. Pastor has a great word for you, so be prepared for that. want to go over a couple of quick announcements. want to remind you guys that, uh, you ladies, excuse me, not you guys, you ladies, that the women's meeting is this Friday night. 6.30 over there in Victory Hall. Uh, my wife, Pastor Katie, is going to be doing the lesson, the message for you ladies. And we're going to be doing some uh, some coffee uh, drinks. So, I don't know. They've asked me and maybe some of the guys to kind of work on that. So, we're going to have some, uh, I'm going to call it gourmet coffee selections, right? Does that sound good, Renee? Okay, alright. So, uh, I could go iced, I could go hot, I could go whatever you want, but I can't go lukewarm. Somebody say amen. All right. Thanks, Dylan. So anyway, praise God. Got that going on. And of course, we got Harvest Fest coming up. It's getting closer and closer. Uh, Friday, the 23rd out there in Newberry. And so we need candy, candy, candy. Keep it coming in. We want to absolutely bless the kids. We have a budget this year of $600, which is not much compared to the thousands and thousands that it usually takes. So if you are interested in uh, contributing to the Harvest Fest budget, just put that in the offering and mark it on the envelope. And if you're doing it online, there's a tab on there also uh, that uh, you can drop down. It says Harvest Fest. So you can add that to there. And we appreciate it because who knows? We got to take care of our kids and our families. We want them to know that Jesus loves them and he is good. No matter what's going on in the rest of the world, Jesus is good. Amen. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? It is happy time and we are so happy because God absolutely loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers are going to hook you up with an envelope. Amen. And I'm going to look at a verse tonight in 3 John verse 2 in the King James, 3 John verse 2. And this is a, I mean, a, a key verse that we have got to know as New Testament, born again, spirit filled, Holy Ghost full Christians. We got to know 3 John 2. You need to be prepared to have this verse in your, uh, at your disposal, man. Uh, 3 John and verse 2. And this is something that, uh, man, so many Christians, they don't, they don't understand this. They don't know if God wants them to prosper. They don't know if God wants them to have money or not. They don't know if God wants them to be healthy or sick. And if you don't even know if your father wants you to be healthy or sick, there's going to be some confusion issues, right? If you think that your dad may want you to not have any money, then there's going to be some trust issues in that relationship. So you need to know this. Third John 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So does that sound like God's not that interested in you prospering? To me, it sounds like he's very interested because it says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so if you can establish these two key truths in your heart and in your mind right now, then you're going places and you don't have to wonder about, well, maybe God just doesn't want me to make it through this one. Maybe God's the one that put this on me in the first place. You can answer that question and never have to wonder where the source of that is coming from again. God is your provider, not the thief. 
God is your healer, not the one trying to make you sick. You've got to get that in your heart. Can somebody say amen tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and say our financial faith confession. And you need to take this seriously. This isn't just something we do because we've got nothing better going on. We speak these words of faith because we trust God to be involved with our finances. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. All right, everybody, let's stand up and worship together. Who came expecting to hear from God today? I know I do.
Thank you. 
devotion we poured out on the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion we poured out on the feet of Jesus our affection our devotion Our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. We love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you and we worship you. Lord, we give you praise and glory for the things you're doing on the earth today, the things you're doing in our nation today. Lord, thank you for opening our eyes to see, like you did in the Old Testament for the servant of the prophet of God, said, open his eyes to see that there's more for us than there are against us. Lord, we want to thank you that no matter how dark it gets in the world, our light's getting brighter and brighter. You said we're in the world but not of the world. And she said, let our light so shine before men, they'll see our good works and glorify God. So, Lord, thank you that we're not going to be murmuring, whining, complaining, griping Christians. We're going to be Christians that they're going to see our light shine by the things we do. When we open our mouth, they're going to ask us a reason for the hope in us. And we're going to say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today, and forever. He's my Lord. He serves me. I serve him. He protects me and my family, supplies all of our needs. He protects us from sickness and disease. And everything we set our hand to prospers because we belong to Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you. That's our attitude. That's our life. And that's how we live because we're Christians, Lord. 
We're not, we're not whiners, we're winners. Thank you, Father. Tonight, everybody that hears this message is changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give somebody an elbow or something. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the law of sowing and reaping, and it really works. The law of sowing and reaping, and it really works. Last night when I was sleeping, I thought about this all night long. God kind of talked to me in my, in my dream life about people need to be reminded about the law of sowing and reaping. We're not just talking about finances. It works in finances. We're talking about everything you do in life. And you can open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis chapter 8. Yes, Dylan, are you excited? Anybody else excited besides Dylan? Genesis 8, verse 22, but as you're turning there, uh, Jesus taught a parable in Matthew chapter 12, in Luke chapter 8, and in Mark chapter 4, and so it was a pretty, pretty important terrible parable, but it was about the law of sowing and reaping, especially the Word of God, how the Word of God works when you plant the Word in your heart, and he said that the Word of God's like a spiritual seed, and your heart's God's soil. And then Jesus said that if you understand this parable, you'll understand everything about the kingdom of God. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything. And so the law of sowing and reaping, especially when it comes to spiritual things, is so important that Jesus taught it in three gospels. And I don't know how many, how many other things he taught in, in three out of the four gospels, but this is one of them. And so this is really, really important. And so as the Lord was just ministering to me in the, in the night watches, I know there's Christians right now that have their eyes on what's going on around them. They're listening to the goofy news. And how many know the Bible's good news? Amen. Amen. Well, if you get more bad news than good news, if faith comes by hearing the good news, then faith leaves by not hearing the good news. Amen. What's the opposite of faith? Fear, doubt, unbelief. And so if all you're hearing is what unsaved people have to say about what's going on, then you're not going to get any faith. You're going to get fear. Amen. Amen. And so God wants us to look at this tonight, recognizing that if you're sowing right things in how you live, then you're going to receive right things no matter how everybody else lives around you. Amen. And, you know, I, I, like, I like, you know, the financial reader. What I heard a preacher say years ago, I was at a pastor's thing, and he was talking to pastors. But he said he learned something about serving God. He said, my receiving as a man of God, because, you know, we live off of offerings, what people give into ministries is what takes care of us. He said, my receiving is not based upon what you give into this ministry. He said, my receiving is based upon what I give. And so for preachers... Or for believers that arena, your living is not going to be based upon what you receive from your job. That's a good source. But that's just one source God's using right now. And so if you're a faithful tither and you're a faithful giver and you bless other people, if that job goes, then God's got better. So it's based upon what you give. But Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. And by the way, the book of Genesis is called the Law of Beginnings. And the book of Genesis, God sets in motion and then defines things that last forever and ever and carry all the way through the Bible. 
And so then God said this, while the earth remaineth, let me ask you a question. This is an open book question. Is the earth still here? Is the earth remaining? Is it still here? He's getting ready to tell us something then that takes place as long as the earth is still here. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and global warming and climate change. Oh, no, that's that's the political translation. God said, there's going to be cold, there's going to be heat. Amen. He said there's going to be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. And so there's a whole mouthful there that God said, but uh, just think about this. The earth's still here, and so in the open book test, that answer is yes, the earth's still here. And so because it's still here, then the laws of nature are still doing what God told them to do. Amen. The laws of nature are still doing what God told them to do. And so the four seasons still change every year. And when you live in the Mojave Desert, I'm glad to know that fall's coming. Amen. I'm glad to know, I'm glad to know this season is changing from summer. And that's, and that's something that I'm ready to have behind me all the way this year. And then still, we have day and night. Every 24 hours, the sun goes up, the sun goes down, moon comes out. It gets dark, it gets light. And you know, in things like that, there's nothing any human being can do to make the sun quit coming up. You can't do anything about it. There's nothing anything a human being can do to cause the seasons not to be here. You know, you can pray all you want to that I, I want winter time all year long. You're not going to get it because God said it's not going to be that way. There's four seasons that were dated. The only thing that you have any <clears throat> anything that you have any control over is the law of what He said, the law of seed time and harvest. You have you have input in that. You have say so, and I praise God for that natural law that God made. I love to eat little tomatoes. And I'm so glad there's people that sow little tomatoes in the right climate and grow little tomatoes because they plant tomatoes. I'm so glad they don't get squash or watermelon or, or corn or something else all the time. They plant different things, get different things. That's because God's the one that set in motion the law of seed time and harvest. God made that happen. And so if farmers quit sowing, then unless you got your own little garden, you quit eating. Amen. Somebody say, thank God for the farmers. Amen. And, and smart farmers that know how to plant things we like to eat. But what I'm saying is this. The law of seed time and harvest, it really works when you work it. And that's talking about that natural side. And so as born-again believers, now listen to this because I, I, want, I want to help your spirits to be able to shut down your heads about things in life that you're being challenged with right now. And so as born-again believers, even if our mind doesn't understand everything about the Bible, our heart knows there's not only a physical world, but more importantly, there's a spiritual world. Amen. There's a spiritual world. There's a spiritual realm. I always like to remind God's people something Jesus told me years ago. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. What goes on in the spirit depends on what you're going to get in this natural world. And I think about what Jesus told us in, 
in John chapter 3 and talking about the new birth, he was talking to Nicodemus and he told Nicodemus, said, you're not going to understand things of the spirit unless you're born again. And so Nicodemus, being a natural man with natural thinking, and Christians didn't get rid of natural thinking in a lot of things. I mean, we do have to have natural thinking, but when it comes to spiritual things, we have to realize there's more things going on than what you see if your physical eyes or what you hear if your physical ears. And so Nicodemus tried to figure out how things could work. He said, I'm a grown man right now. He might have, he might have been like some of the people I know. He might have been a 250-pound man and had a 90-year-old mom, a 90-pound mom. Say, how could I get back in my mama's womb and come out again? How could I get born again? And Jesus said, you got to be born of the Spirit. He said, there's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. And he said, you can't see what happens in the Spirit, but you can see the result of what happens when the Spirit's moving. He said, just like the wind blowing, he said, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. And so if we want to know what's going on out here in the desert, all we have to do is look out as the sand blowing. <laughs> Are the tumbleweeds rolling? Is the flag moving? And we're not seeing the wind. We're seeing what the wind does. He said, that's how the new birth is. He said, you can't see the spirit change a human being, but you can see them change because the spirit's moving. And so all of a sudden, you know what, what I noticed? Uh, different people I knew, they go up and say all the cuss words, and all of a sudden, instead of saying with you, say, oh, shucky dern, oh, gosh, oh, darn, and things like that. And I know when I got born again, I know that one, one, one thing I was, I was, a, I was a serious nicotine addict. I smoked a lot of cigarettes, and when I got born again, I was delivered. And when I, my, my natural body, though, all the time, if I had a pin in my hand, I'd be going like that, sticking a pin in my mouth. And I'd smack my hand and say, quit doing that. Well, I was born again on the inside, but my outside man still had habits and had tried to do stuff. And it, probably, it probably took me six months or a year to quit try to smoke a pen. You know, there was a change took place, and people looked at me. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, after I came to California, I'd been a born again Christian for for a, a lot of years, and I went back to Indiana for for a visit one time, and I was at a restaurant eating. There's a guy I used to work with back in the seventies. And he came up to me and started talking about the same old stuff. I said, hey, wait a minute. I said, I'm a preacher now. I'm a born-again Christian. And I said, I don't do those things. Oh, come on, you couldn't be, you could, you could be a religious person. And I said, I'm a born-again Christian now. I said, I don't talk about those things anymore. I don't do those things. Well, see, he still, although I'd been a born-again Christian at that time for probably 30 years, he still saw the outside guy. And he didn't know things had changed on the inside. And so we have to understand as Christians... There is a spiritual realm, and there's a physical realm. And the spiritual determines what happens in this physical world we live in. So we got to see things different, and we got to look at things different as Christians. And so Genesis 8.22, God tells us about the law of seed time and harvest, a natural law. God set it up. If we cooperate in this natural world, then we'll get... Things we want to see changed. And so Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and verse 9, verse 7 through 9. We're going to go to the New Testament now. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 
through 9. And here the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is going to tell us about the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. In Genesis, when God started off, he told us about the natural side. And now we get to the New Testament. Then Paul tells us about the spiritual side. It says in verse six or verse seven, be not deceived. Well, if God says be not deceived, that means we've got a choice. It's possible to be deceived. I want that to think, sink in. If God tells us something not to do, then we've got to have our, our guard up to make sure we don't do it. When he tells us to do things, we want to do them. But if God's, God says by the Holy Spirit through Paul, be not deceived, then I'm going to make sure I watch myself what he's talking about, that I don't get deceived. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so he's not talking about corn. He's not talking about tomatoes or flowers or any other kind of a thing in the natural world. He's talking about your life. He's talking about how you live, how you talk, what you do. He says, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But he said, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. And you know what that tells me is this. God is saying, if you go around all the time doing wrong things and wrong things are happening, nothing good ever happens for you, God said, I won't be mocked. What are you sowing? You know, I think about what, 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 what uh, Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. He said, a man that wants friends must show himself friendly. And you know, that would make me stop and think in life as a pastor over the years in family relationships I've seen. You know, this is not in my notes. It's just coming out of my spirit, so somebody needs to hear this. I've seen so many times people get older and then we meet them for the first time, have start becoming acquainted with them, and then they whine because none of their kids ever want to see them. None of their family wants anything to do with them. They don't have any relationships. They think, well, boy, he's the nicest man I've ever met. I wonder why his kids are so mean. Well, then you find the other side of the story. This man just maybe recently decided he's going to turn his life around. We're seeing him now that maybe he's got 40 or 50 years of being a monster to his kids. And his grandkids. And his whole family. And God says, I won't be mocked. What you sow is what you reap. And so I guess that's an exhortation for families today. Parents and grandparents, if you don't like your relationship to your family, it might be time for you to change. It might be time for you to make some phone calls. It might be time for you to get the chip off your shoulder, swallow your pride, and go back and humble yourself and say, I'm sorry that I was a jerk to all you guys all these years. I've turned my life around. <clears throat> and this starts sowing some love seeds. It says, God won't be mocked. What you sow is what you reap. And so as you begin, as you begin treating people right, there's going to be some things start taking off of the spirit. And there's going to be something that happens going to change some things. It's because you're sowing some different seed. Amen? Amen? Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so anyway, it says in verse 8, He that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. You know, as he said, you sow to to the flesh, you reap corruption. To the Spirit, in line with the Spirit, you reap life everlasting. Well, let's talk about sowing 
Like, well, I'll give you an example. If you smoke cigarettes ever since you was 10 years old and you're 70 years old and you're dying of emphysema or lung cancer, duh. You know, in our generation, the last few generations, we've been warned about the dangers of alcohol and tobacco and what they do, cirrhosis of the liver, and all the different things happen. And so you keep on abusing your body, it says you reap corruption. But it says you sow to the spirit. And so when you begin to sow good things spiritual-wise and just change your lifestyle, how you're living and doing some things in life, it says you're going to reap from the spirit. And how many know the Holy Spirit always has good things for us? The Holy Spirit always has blessing. And so how do you sow to the Spirit? Well, you might read your Bible. That's always a good thing. You might develop the church habit. That's always a good thing. You might decide to serve at a church. That's always a good thing. You might decide to be a tither that gives God 10% of your income. That's a good thing. And so that's what it means by sowing the Spirit. You start doing things that the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, has shown us that Christians should do. And when there's things that the Bible tells us Christians shouldn't do, then that means you're starting to sow to the flesh. Uh, you know, Christians shouldn't lie. The Bible says that liars will have the reward. Christians shouldn't hate. Those are all sown to the flesh things. Unforgiveness, strife, gossip, discord. I mean, all the things not to think about sexual things that are wrong. But just all those different things the Bible says not to do, as a Christian, you should make up your mind, I'm going to be a Christian that tells the truth, even if it hurts. I'm going to be a Christian, even if somebody wrongs me, I'm going to forgive them. Because Jesus said, as I forgive, so will my Father forgive me. That's called sowing and reaping. You sow forgiveness, then when you need forgiveness, you receive forgiveness. Amen? And so do you see how this works? He's telling us that, that God will not be mocked what you sow is what you reap. And, you know, I think about Joseph in the Bible. I remember Joseph in the Old Testament with all the bad things that happened to Joseph. You know, you may not be familiar with that story, but Joseph had a lot of brothers. Long story short, Joseph's brothers didn't like him because he seemed to be his dad's favorite. I don't know if he was or not, but they thought he was. So they sold him to some people that, that uh, were slave owners. As they sold him as a slave, took him to a foreign country, put him in prison. He got lied on. He got in prison, got in all kinds of bad trouble. But no matter where he went, he kept a smile on his face. He kept forgiveness in his heart. He didn't hold on against his brothers or against the people that wronged him. And long story short, there came to a point in time that Joseph became the assistant to the king of Egypt. He became the prime minister that ended up running Egypt. And then all his family that had wronged him came there, and Joseph was the one that blessed them, took care of their needs. What he sowed is what he reaped. He sowed favor. He sowed right living. He sowed a right attitude. He didn't hold grudges. And then God promoted him. And so what's that tell us? That tells us that when he says, you sow to the Spirit, you receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit in your life. No matter what your status is in life right now, family things, job things, neighborhood things, maybe some relationships with church people, whatever it is, if nobody else does right, you make the choice in your heart. I don't care if they're all doing wrong. I'm not jumping on that bandwagon. I'm going to continue to live right because look at the next verse. Verse 9. 
and let us not be weary in what? Well-doing. Another way we can say that is let us not be wearied in doing right. For in due season, remember God talked about the different seasons in Genesis? He said as long as the earth's here, we're going to have those seasons. Well, we're talking about the spiritual law of sowing and reaping now. He says in the spirit, there's a due season that we shall reap if we faint not, if we do not lose heart, if we don't quit, if we don't give up. And you know, I've been around Christians sometimes that get discouraged and they say things like this. I don't know what good it's doing to serve God. Look at the people of the world. They're living better than I am. Look at them. They got it made. Matter of fact, in Malachi chapter 3, God warns about saying that as a tither. God says, don't be like that. You don't look what's going on with them because if they don't turn in due season, harvest is going to come for them. It's not going to be a good one. You know, that's one thing I learned years and years and years ago. My wife and I, in the first several years of our marriage, we went through a lot of, I, I can't know the word to say except poverty. Man, we was poor, we was tithers, and we got so, we got so frustrated with seeing sinners in our families, seeing what they were doing good, doing good, doing good. And then every once in a while, uh, one of us would murmur. <laughs> And, and, and murmur about, well, look at them. They're doing better. We, God, what's going on? God, what's going on? Well, the Bible says you keep doing right. In due season, you reap. Well, due season came because if there wasn't a due season, then God wouldn't put it in the Bible. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, in the book of Genesis 8.22, he said there's summer and there's winter, there's springtime. That's seasons God named where there's spiritual realm. God's got a season he called due season. And God said, in due season, you reap, but he put a stipulation on it if you don't quit. Say this to me. Say, I will stay doing right. I will never quit. I'll never quit. I'll never quit. Because due season is right around the corner. I'm going to do good. If nobody else does, I'm going to talk good. Amen. Amen. I'm going to keep tithing. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep being a blesser and not a curser. God said he'll not be mocked. What I sow, that's what I'll reap. And due season is my season in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody clap. Amen. Amen. And I want to say this again. The title of this message is this, The Law of Sowing and Reaping Really Does Work. It really works. And you know, you stop looking at your life. I'll tell you what, you might not like to do this sometimes, but you look at your life, at your finances, at your relationships, at your children, and I can promise you, I'm not a mind reader, I'm not a person that peeks in your house, see what's going on. But God said he'll not be mocked. What you sow is what you reap. And so if you're to a place in life right now, maybe maybe you're recently a born-again Christian. Maybe you recently decided to really start living like a Christian. Well, right now, you still got some harvest coming up from how you used to be. And so as this season's coming to pass, I, I came from Indiana. I was out in Indiana a lot of years. Well, I know that when... Harvest season was over. 
those fields looked pretty ugly for a while. And so those guys in Indiana, they had to get through the winter time and then plow up and start planting new crops. And so when they planted, it was a while for the new crop came up. And so if you're a person that just recently started sowing right things, don't get frustrated because you didn't have instant crop failure from the past. You know, that's one thing that, you know, that I've done in the past, but I know that I've sold wrong. I said, Lord, please have mercy. I'm doing right now. Cause crop failure, Lord, so this next one could get coming up. I need this next harvest to come up. Hey, man, could, could you see what I'm saying? This is very, very, very real. So what's going on in your life right now, good or bad, you look at this last season, what you sowed, that's what you're reaping now. I want to say it again. I'm preaching better. You're shouting. Amen. And so due season. So there are planting and harvesting seasons in the spiritual realm, just as there are in the natural realm. And Jesus made a statement to me several years ago. And you might want to write this down because it really helps me to understand it. I wrote my Bible, and I think it explains these two laws, the physical and the, and the spiritual, really well. Spiritual laws operate similar to natural laws. Spiritual laws operate similar to natural laws. Under the same conditions, they will produce the same results every time, without variation. Under the same conditions, they'll produce the same results every time without variation. Because they're laws that God set in motion. You know, I think about, I think about the property I've cleaned up. I'm getting ready for this event we're going to have out there in the future. And I've been getting rid of a lot of tumbleweeds that had seeds in the ground that came up because they're there seed time and harvest. That's what was there for a long time. And so they came up. Can't stop it. You got you to pull them up. You got to get stuff different planted, things like that, because that's the law of seed time and harvest. And so what's growing in your yard? You know, I don't know about you, but because where I came from, all I saw was grass and trees all the time. I like grass and trees. So I come to California, and I come to find out because of seed time and harvest, places I've been, they didn't plant any grass seed. So they didn't have any grass. And so I found out if I wanted grass seed, I have to plant grass. And when I plant grass seed, guess what? Grass comes up. And so the spiritual law is the same thing. Whatever you plant in the spirit, under the same conditions, that's talking about faith, talking about love. Faith works by love. Faith causes things to grow in the spirit. As you're walking in faith and walking in love, then just like a farmer plants corn, he gets corn. You plant love, you're going to get love. Amen. Plant finances, you get finances. So what you what you plant is what you're going to reap. And I want to read this definition one more time because <clears throat> I know sometimes when I'm out there somebody else is talking, I hear something good, I think, man, I'd like to be able to hear it, but he say it one more time. So listen to this. Spiritual laws operate similar to natural laws. Under the same conditions, they will produce the same results every time without variation. Amen. God has no favorites. He always honors faith. And love. Amen? Now I want to go to Mark chapter 4. And this is the passage, really. Last night as I lay there sleeping, I just kept, all night long, just kept seeing this passage and knowing God wanted me to get this to you today to help you to be able to receive what He has for you. Whatever's going on in your life.
life today. And how many are encouraged by the Word of God knowing that God doesn't lie? Knowing that God always tells the truth. And so things we say in the Word of God, you know, there's, 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 there's an expression people in the world use, you can take that to the bank. Well, when God says it, if you believe it, and you put it to work in your life, you can take that to the bank, it will produce in your life. And so, in Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29, Jesus, in this passage, teaches the spiritual and the natural law at the same time, and shows you how this works. And this will put your heart at ease. If you've been standing on God's Word for what seems like a long time to you, it hasn't happened yet, that this passage right here will give you the extra boost you need to keep on doing what you're doing and just be like that little kid sitting in the back of the train. Did you hear that story? I read this on Facebook or something a few years ago. There was a little boy riding in the back of a train all by himself. I don't know how old he was. But people looked at him and said, little boy, little boy, aren't you afraid by yourself? He said, nope, my daddy's the engineer. And so for where you are in life, as we see this passage right here, just know this. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, your daddy's got it. Amen. Amen. You're going to come out on top. So Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. Well, let's talk about a spiritual thing then, isn't it? In other words, Jesus says, this is how it works in the spirit. The kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Well, there's that natural law and there's that spiritual law. Jesus said, here's how the kingdom of God works. How many here are citizens of the kingdom of God? Well, you might as well know the laws of the spirit then, hadn't you? He said, here's how it works. And then Jesus always painted word pictures. He said, in your life, in the spirit, said, you're like a man that's putting seed in the ground. That should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. How many know that sometimes you don't know how God's going to do it, but you believe God's going to do it? You know not how. And let me tell you something. Quit putting God in a box and telling God how to meet your need. Quit telling God the job he's supposed to get you. Quit telling God how he's supposed to get your family saved. Quit telling God how you on earth can be a puppet master and manipulate this over here, manipulate this person over here. If I just get this one with this one, if I just get this one to watch this movie, if I just get this one to hear this sermon, if, I could, if you just shut up. Amen. Jesus said, you know, if not how. The how God's going to do it is not your business. The knowing that God's going to do it, that is your business. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. He tells that's a process. And so anybody that's ever planted anything, whether it's flowers, fruits and vegetables, whatever it is, if it's fruit trees, everybody knows that it starts off with a blossom. Then the blossom turns into a baby fruit. And then the baby fruit ripens for a period of time, and then it turns into a full-grown fruit, something you can eat. And Jesus said, this is how it is in the Spirit. 
said, it starts developing the spirit. First the blade, then the ear. That makes you think about an ear of corn. Then the full corn in the ear. He says, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put them the sickle because the harvest is come. And so he tells us how this passage works. So anyway, Jesus explains this natural and physical law together. I want you to notice in verse 26 that Jesus points out the farmer doesn't get fretful or worry about how it works or will it work. He says he sleeps, he rises night and day. He's got seed in the ground. He goes to bed, he gets up. He doesn't know how it works. There's something God put in dirt and he's got faith that seed in dirt with water and sunshine going to give harvest. And so he knows his part is to plant. His part is to weed if he needs to. His part is to irrigate if he needs to. Whatever he does. But he cannot make a seed turn into a fruit, to a plant. Only God can. His job is to plant the seed and that God's the one that makes it work. And so anyway... Uh, He just doesn't worry about it. How many times did Jesus add the Bible through multiple places say, Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Your Father knows what you have need of. Fear not. He says He takes care of the grass in the field. He said He takes care of the animals, the birds. He said, Why do you fear? He said, God's taking care of those things. And so that's telling me what Jesus said here. Now this is what we're saying in closing. Get this. These spiritual laws and natural laws that the Bible has defined from Genesis all the way into the Bible, Jesus breaks together and says, you act like a farmer. Says you go to sleep and get up when you're doing what you're supposed to do. Said you don't have to be worried about, is it working? And you know, I think about the farmer. The farmer has faith that things are happening under the ground, even when he doesn't see them, because he knows he has seed planted. Well, I tell you what, right there is the most profound statement of the night for you to get a hold of. Jesus said, the farmer doesn't worry. He tells his family, he tells his family, why there's nothing but dirt out there. He tells his family, guys, we're going to have a great harvest this year. We're going to take that vacation we got planned. We're going to pay that thing off. That college money we've been needing, I've got all these acres planted, I've got things taken care of. But Dad, how could you say that? I just planted all that seed. That's called dirt. That's called sunshine. Look at the forecast. This is going to be a good rainy year. Lots of rain. Right amount of sunshine. Seed in the ground. But Dad, what are we going to do? I don't know about you, but I'm going to bed. Why are you going to bed for? Because I'm going to get up in the morning time. Well, what are you going to do to get up? He said, I'm going to be up, then I'm going to bed. Then what are you going to do? I'm going to get up. Why are you doing that? Because Jesus said, I arise. I sleep. I sleep. I arise. Well, why are you doing that? Because I've done my part. I've got the seed planted. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. God has this law working. And so then he tells us of the law of the Spirit. Now get this, if this was serious enough that God woke me up last night and talked to me about this, I pray that's serious enough 
that the worry warts out here get a hold of it. Are you doing right? Then what are you staying awake for at nighttime trying to figure it out? If you've done right, he says you're going to reap. Don't look at this verse, but I want to give you this in the final closer. Romans 3.27, Paul said there's a spiritual law called the law of faith. Romans 3.27, Romans 3, the law of faith, it's another spiritual law God set up. And this is your part. Just like the farmer has faith that the seed's growing, the law of faith works this way. Hearing God's word always produces faith. Confessing and acting on God's word that you've heard always produces results. If you've been around this kind of teaching for very long at all, that really goes right to your spirit. But if you haven't heard much like this, there's lots and lots and lots of teaching that we do about faith. And so I want to say it again. The law of faith, hearing God's word, always produces faith. That's Romans 10, 17. Confessing and acting on God's word that you've heard always produces results. Jesus said, we will have whatsoever we saith. He said, be doers of the word. And so, be a good spiritual farmer. When you're standing on God's word, just go to sleep, get up, refuse to worry, live your life. The word's working. Harvest time is coming. Harvest time is coming. You do your part, and God already promised from his word, he's doing his part. The law of faith. Be like the farmer. Say, man, I got harvest coming. I got harvest coming. Amen. Amen. That is it. Pastor Dave, over to you. All right. Very good. What? There we go. Tag me in. All right. Amen. That was a perfect word for tonight. And we got to realize the truth that is in that we do reap what we sow, don't we? And so it is so important that we realize and we remember that that truth and it doesn't go away. We reap what we sow and some of the, some of the things that we're dealing with in life right now, maybe just, uh, the harvest of some seeds we've planted, whether good or maybe bad. But either way, if we want tomorrow to be different, we gotta start planting some good seeds right now. Don't wait any longer. Start right now. Start tonight planting the right seeds so tomorrow you'll get the right harvest. Can somebody say amen tonight? Amen. Alright, let's go ahead and stand up together. We have had an excellent time. Praise the Lord. I want to remind you ladies that Friday night is the ladies meeting, the women's meeting. Uh, you are going to get together at 630 right back there in Victory Hall. My wife Katie is going to be doing the lesson and some of us guys are apparently going to be serving some gourmet coffee selections. And so anyway, I, I pray that, you know, we do a good job with that. But if you don't like coffee, just come anyway. The Bible is going to be better than our coffee. So just keep keep that in mind. All right. And some desserts and stuff. But praise God, it's going to be a great time. And keep filling up the candy for Harvest Fest. We want to give these kids as much candy as they can handle. And, uh, and uh, just bless them and let them know that they are loved and the parents too. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to close in prayer and then I'm going to lead us in the Barstow Faith Confession. Let's raise our hands together tonight. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word. And we know that it is absolutely true. You said that God shall not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so we know, Lord, you are a God of justice. You are not going to be mocked. You are not going to be made a fool. We will reap what we sow. And we will not give up, Lord. We will reap in due season if we faint not. And we are not going to faint. And so I thank you, Lord, that as we leave here tonight, I declare the rest of this week is going to be a home run for everybody here, Lord. We're walking in faith, victory, love, joy, peace, success. Everywhere we go, everything we set our hand to is blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight, and then you are dismissed. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you Sunday.